0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: And welcome to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Jump to Forest Mike Luby-Lubitz with you on the Believe Podcast Network. Luby and I, when we first connected, Very early on in our relationship, I ended up at a radio row for the Super Bowl in Dallas, Texas. And kind of interestingly, it's gone full circle because they couldn't handle the smallest amount of ice on the road in Dallas. Uh, Cars were flying and skidding all over the place. Jerry Jones was in a panic. The roof caved in there at the new stadium. And uh, here we are. I guess it's 11, 12 years later. Uh, we've attended every Radio Row except uh, last year's. Yes. Of course, uh, in Tampa, because of uh, COVID-19, we were told there was no Radio Row. I think there were like three guys yeah. on Radio Row. Radio Row, according to Leslie Visser, our good friend also, uh, used to be literally like a Radio Row. There there were four radio stations, and they were sitting at a desk all lined up in a row, and that's where it got its name. But um, it's always a pleasure to get our Radio Row coverage started here and even though we're not in los angeles we're able to bring you that coverage uh, via the magic of modern day broadcasting here and a pleasure to welcome to the program one of the uh, fine analysts uh, in the game today and uh, well respected has a brilliant podcast the ross tucker podcast westwood one nfl analyst and a guy who played seven years in the national football league ross tucker joins us here on after hours uh ross uh, you're our first victim here on radio row thanks so much for being with us
0: I love it. I love it. I'm uh, the uh, the maiden voyage. I'm 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 honored to be here and to be talking with you guys. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I, normally, and we've been uh, talking with different people uh, throughout this uh, off week, uh, leading up to the week of the Super Bowl, uh, when the coverage gets more and more intense. And we always, uh, Doug, kind of watching the growth, the exponential growth of the number of people that you circ- that were circulating around these radio rows. As you got into Thursday and then Friday and, uh, you know, then later in the week, the entire city, whatever city was hosting the Super Bowl would just be uh, absolutely infused with zillions of people that were, uh, you know, having some kind of interest in in the game. But uh, usually the week before is when you get the stories out of the way uh, about the uh, backup long snapper and, uh, you know, the uh, tight end who's third string but may see some action in the game. Uh, and, and, you know, you get all of those uh, good human interest stories out of the way. Uh, but, but this year, I mean, uh, blockbuster stuff uh, coming uh, on the many different fronts uh, regarding the NFL uh, generated by this Brian Flores lawsuit. And it's interesting because you're representing uh, MyFrontPageStory.com. I mean, uh, th- this was not like, uh, you know, middle of the sports section material here or agatype. I mean, uh, blaring headlines. So uh, perfect time. Tell us what you're doing uh, first with myfrontpage story.com
0: yeah it is uh it's awesome it's a buddy of mine's company i got involved with it it's the coolest valentine's day gift nice. i've ever seen and i've seen now at like the last couple of years i've seen a bunch of videos of guys giving these to their significant others and it's so cool man first of all when they open it it's you know it's framed it looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper there's a picture of her the, the women never know what it is they've never heard of it so they're always like, wait, what, what, what is this? And the guy's always like, I had a story written about you. And the woman's like, what, what do you mean you had a story written? What do you mean? And the guy's like, no, I had a story written about you. And they're always so blown away, which is really cool for me to see. And then when they actually read the quotes, like, you know, there's always quotes like I just never thank her enough for everything she does for me and the family like they cry, man. They, they absolutely nice. cry. I have seen them cry. Nice. I told my buddy the motto for the company should be uh, she will cry, you will win. My <laughs> front page <story. laughs> dot com.
2: That's great.
1: It's kind of like being a guest on the old Roy Firestone interview show, right? Uh, Where uh, no matter how tough the guy was, he made Pete Rose cry, I think, uh, on that (laughs) show, Roy Firestone. It was a brilliant piece of journalistic work and one-on-one interviewing uh, technique. Ross Tucker with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. All right. uh, What about these blaring headlines? Speaking of front-page news, as we said, usually a very quiet week where you're fishing around for stories. The editor says, hey, just get me something, Joe. Just get me something that we can run today. And you can't find anything because, uh, uh, you know, there, there just isn't a lot being generated. And uh, yet it's Brian Flores stuff. I, I know you had some comments on it. Uh, very inflammatory accusations uh, that uh, are getting categorical denials across the board. It doesn't matter whose name was mentioned as in a clockwork orange. Your, your name was mentioned. Yes, yes, yes. It doesn't matter, Ross. Uh, everybody's saying Florence is full of shit. So uh, <laughs> what, what did you think about all that?
0: Yeah, um, you guys broke up on me a little bit there. Are you talking about Flores? Yes.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, uh, every entity that uh, had its name even uh, remotely, uh, you know, implied in this lawsuit, uh, and and even others that came in later on when uh, uh, Hugh Jackson uh, was talking about the Cleveland Browns. Now they're saying, and everybody to, to an entity is saying, including the league, that Brian Flores is full of shit, and, and uh, most of his friends uh, see him as a, a man of great integrity, and honesty and uh, obviously, uh, you know, somebody that would never make up a story like this, you know, j- just to uh, grab some headlines.
0: You know, it's it's really interesting. So we're in a situation where I, I talked to Albert Breer recently on the Raw Sucker football podcast, and he said he believes, you know, he's heard that Stephen Ross is going to say that he was joking about the $100,000 per loss, which I find fascinating. And I've actually already heard from a lawyer that's actually a pretty good indicator uh, of a defense. It's a pretty good defense because how do you argue with that, right? Like if he says he didn't say it and there's three or four witnesses that say he does, that's a problem. But if he says, you know, I was joking. I was just intimating that you know it was a rebuilding year, and you know it wasn't. It wouldn't be the worst thing. I I think he's fine. So I don't know. I don't know how you how you litigate that if you're the NFL. If he just says, "Yeah, I said it, but I was joking."
1: It seemed to me that uh, maybe they had gone <laughs> the NFL and uh, you know employed the services of Sarah Huckabee Sanders or the Kelly McEnany or even Sean Spitzer. They they grabbed them off the set of Dancing with the Stars to go ahead and issue their press release, which was, uh, we don't know nothing about nothing. Nothing happened here. Uh, but, I mean, obviously there's inequity when it comes to uh, the percentage of black head coaches in the league and, uh, I guess, to a lesser degree, black executives and the percentage of black players there are in the NFL. You, you played in the league. I mean, did you sense that, that there was this uh, inherent uh, uh, racism and racial bias uh, hovering over the things that happened Uh, in terms of transactions and or the way uh, players were treated in the National Football League during your playing days?
0: No, definitely not. Um, I don't really believe that there is racism. Um, I I think it's really simple, guys. I think the owners will do whatever they think it takes to win. I mean, we're talking about a league where they sign Greg Hardy after what he did or they draft Joe Mixon after that video, or they try to trade for Deshaun Watson with 22 cases against him, I think these owners will do whatever it takes to win. I think that when they interview these guys, for whatever reason, they believe that more often than not, the white candidate gives them a better chance to win. I don't know how to fix that. If I were a minority candidate, I would be incredibly frustrated incredibly frustrated but i don't know how to fix it you know even whatever Flores accomplishes with the lawsuit i don't know what they can change i don't know how you change the heart and the mind and maybe the souls of these owners because they're the ones ultimately deciding who their head coach is and they go by who they think gives them the best chance and for whatever reason and maybe it's because they're the same skin color i don't know they think that the white
2: candidates, more often than not, give them the best chance to win. I'm talking with the Ross Ross Tucker, Westwood One NFL color analyst, Ross Tucker football podcast, and with us and on our myfrontpagestory.com. Look, and that's the thing. Maybe it's not categorical, uh, conscious racism, but you just said it, and a lot of people are saying, "Look, people, a lot of the times go with what they know, go with the people they're comfortable with, whatever." Well, that's that's. Uh, <laughs> True or not, it's not really right because we just had six different NFL job openings filled. Not one was an African-American. And in some of the cases, the African-American candidates seem like they had better resumes than the white guys. You're not wrong. Like, you can't—we don't know how to legislate this, but let me ask you, like, do you feel— as a guy who's been around the league a long time, that something should be done because, again, like you just said, if you're an African-American candidate, what else can you do? Jim Caldwell, Lovie Smith, had better track records than most of the retread white guys, and they can't get jobs.
0: Yeah, I hear this all the time. I've never heard a good solution. Yeah, That's my frustration. I hear all the numbers. I hear all the names. I'm ready for someone to present to me a solution that actually makes sense. And quite frankly, I'm to the point now where the only solution I can think of would be incentivizing them yeah. to hire minority candidates with draft picks. You know, right now, I, I love what the league office has done by incentivizing teams to lose guys, right? Like, if you have the the cheap and the Browns both got two third-round picks yeah. when Ryan Poles went to the Bears as GM and Kwezi, um from Cleveland, uh, Adolfo Mensa went to the Vikings as GM. I love that approach. I love the approach of, hey, you're going to get some good draft picks here if you promote minorities to positions where they're one step away. Put them at quarterback coach. Put them at coordinator. Put them at you know, assistant GMs so that they get the big job somewhere else, and you get the two third round picks. I thought that was a great approach. Yeah. It's still not bearing as much fruit on the head coach side as you would like. So then maybe you take the next step, which is they actually get uh, they actually get draft picks if they hire the minority. The problem there is, I I've heard Lewis Riddick, Marvel. They don't want that. They don't want to feel like that's why they're being hired. Mm. But it's like you can't have it both ways. You can't (laughs) complain about it. And then we come up with a solution that might help address the issue. And then you don't like that either.
1: Ross Tucker, uh, the Ross Tucker podcast, outstanding, uh, always gets rave reviews, uh, top-notch analysis of the NFL with us on After Hours with uh, Defoe and Luby. Uh, Do you think this telephone call might have taken place yesterday, Ross, uh, where Raj picks up the phone? And uh, calls the uh, newly named commies uh, in Washington and says, uh, not you again, Dan. I mean, th- does he need this? You are know, trying to sell the Super Bowl. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, it's a very interesting matchup. Uh, you have Cincinnati, never won the game. I mean, going all over, may you rest in peace. Sam Weish looked like he had it before Montana did him in. And uh, then, you know, they, they really haven't had a whole lot of like zero playoff success since, uh, including like, what, what, 17 straight years with Marvin Lewis <laughs> losing in the first round. <laughs> it was a lot of futility there. And they were rewarded for that with uh, Joe Burrow, uh, who became the number one overall pick. And now a couple of years later, he has him in the uh, so-called big game. Uh, and, and Los Angeles uh, went all in. I mean, uh, they don't have a draft pick until 2037 after uh, making all the deals they made to try and put themselves in a position to go all in Johnny chant time and, and win it this year. And, and sure enough, here they are with a home field advantage, possibly. I mean, obviously it's there. I, I don't know how effective or impactful it would be, but you would have to think it was a plus and and they have a chance to win the championship, but when they went all in a totally different approach, uh, what do you think of the matchup? Uh, first of all, uh, Ross and, uh, you know, is it a shame in your opinion that do you think that these stories, because they happen this week, might overshadow, you know, some of the luster that actually looks like it's, uh, you know, going to be looming over a very good ballgame?
0: Well, I do think that the Flores lawsuit will be a big topic of discussion at the Super Bowl. I, I don't think there's any question about it. But I think as you get closer to the game, Thursday, the NFL honors you know, where they have the MVP and the Hall of Fame guys and all that stuff. I think by then, for the most part, the news cycle will have moved on unless there's new information that comes out.
1: Ross Tucker with us here. And uh, well, once again, we, we want to thank you for bringing up uh, the idea, my front page, uh, story. A com with the Valentine's <laughs> Day thing. Because as we often say, Ross, uh, degenerate gamblers like us are often very poor at affairs of the heart. And I, I can't tell yeah, you how many Valentine's Day massacres. I had more massacres on Valentine's Day than Frank Nitti and, uh, you know, the old Untouchables episode. So uh, we thank you for being with us. Have fun on uh, Radio Row. And uh, it's a pleasure to have uh, started our coverage uh, with you here on the program. Thanks so much for joining us on After Hours.
0: Likewise, guys. Thank you.
2: All right, Ross. Thanks a lot. All
1: right. Ross Tucker with us here on uh, After Hours. That had to be particularly troubling uh, yesterday uh, when that testimony was being given. And I didn't even know they were holding a congressional hearing still about uh, the women who who were, you know, subjected to uh, what would be tantamount to abusive uh, behavior inside what was then the Washington Redskins organization. But now is the commies speaking of red. I
2: love love that they changed the name and you can still find a way to make it worse (laughs) or just as bad. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, you you ought to have, even Native Americans probably are going to start a movement saying, uh, hey, hey, listen, man, we're we're still Americans here, right? That's part of the thing. Uh, (laughs) We don't want to be associated with no commies. Like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Bozos, uh, you know, if they wanted to have something that was uh, representative of what it's like to uh, be a politician in Washington, D.C., never mind a commander in chief, just the Washington bozos would have been fine. And and that's the way they they looked yesterday with that testimony Uh, coming from the uh, various women that were associated with the uh, then Redskins organization and Dan Snyder. And uh, I don't know, did Roger Goodell need this on top of the Flores stuff, which uh, it's amazing. It seems impossible that there is not a shred of truth to any of the assertions that were made by Brian Flores.
2: Well, what's so funny is Ross Tucker brought up something that we were joking about in our morning show with the professor Ken Jacobson, Gim and Gourmet Mike Mayo. We joked about Stephen Ross going... Haha, ha, was joking, and we were saying that as that was the joke. Like, right? who, who could use that in a real court of law as a real strategy? And Ross Tucker, Albert Breer is one of the top NFL analysts, insider guys. For Albert Breer to say that's what they're going to do, first of all, it sounds so Ross one and two. It sounds laughable. Like Stephen Brian Flores is bringing across legitimate allegations that, if not top of the league, could really harm the reputation of the league and what it stands on he's going to say I was joking. Like, come on, like Brian Flores. how
1: That, that would be his only defense. It's it the woman-woman woman defense. Exactly, but that's what I'm again. saying. But like, yeah.
2: how big of an idiot is Brian Flores to have misconstrued the joke and take it this far? Like, come on, like, if, especially if there's witnesses.
1: You, like- you would have to think that uh, he had some kind of portrayal uh, of this proposition
0: Yes, from
1: Stephen Ross, some kind of uh, thing that documented that uh, this was no joke, that it was a very real I'm offer, like, that if he didn't have that, I mean, his lawyers uh, looked to be, uh, you know, pretty buttoned down, did they not? Yes, they're legit. all of the uh, shows that they were doing. I mean, they were right there with him. It's like he had a dream team there. I was yes. waiting for Barry Sheck yep. to interject something there. Yep. Uh, hey, what do you think about that, Mr. Fung? Yep. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, you would have to think that when Brian Flores went to these attorneys and said, hey, I- I'm going to file this lawsuit against the National Football League, you know, they-, they don't necessarily have a great track record in court, the NFL. No, I no. think they lose almost every case and or settle. Uh, it's kind of like radio stations that we worked at, where uh, some clown calls up and says, "Hey, yeah, uh, you know they insulted me," and the uh, people, the executives, they, they don't even want to mess with it, right? No. They don't want any kind of uh, court appearances or anything, so they'll, they'll just send some uh, callers, some lunatic, like a thousand bucks to go away. Which I uh, probably shouldn't have mentioned that people will start filing <laughs> suit against this show. We don't have the money to give you, so don't worry about a thing. If you want to go away penniless and uh, just have the satisfaction of winning a lawsuit? Yeah, we might have insulted someone. <laughs> but I mean, uh, it's it's kind of you know crazy to think that that Brian Flores, who was a candidate still for any number of openings in the National Football League, and you, you thought that you would probably see somebody hire him this year, and uh, you know certainly in the next cycle. I mean, think about this: nine jobs opened up in the national football league altogether for a variety of reasons, uh, failure, uh, you know, just dissatisfaction, maybe uh, in the case of Mike Zimmer, just a long-term guy that was been, you know, has been in that spot and, you know, had some modicum of success, but it wasn't good enough. And they didn't think he could go championship, you know, material uh, when, uh, you know, he'd been there already like uh, several years, like nine. I don't know. How long was he's he in Minnesota? He'd been there a while. Like a decade. Yeah. Peyton
2: retired because he's just, you know, exhausted.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he, he obviously was going to be uh, disman Well, he was fired by these guys. So, um, you know, and, and you had five openings pop up. I mean, uh, the, the inequity uh, when it comes to uh, minority uh, head coaches, in this case, specifically black head coaches. Because I mean, uh, you notice how the NFL tries to throw an umbrella over like uh, they're trying to make Robert Salah. Yes. Uh, of the Jets into a minority coach because he's Lebanese. I mean, you know, come on. It's fine. don't have to go Whoopi Goldberg on this thing, but uh, nonetheless, it seems to be uh, the issue is that there are very few black head coaches, uh, and the league there's is one. largely comprised of black players.
2: Well, there's one, and on top of that, the thing and people have said, and they're true, like, I always hear the name Jim Caldwell, and I'm sort of, eh, and then I'll hear other retread names, even a Dan Quinn, who, I was like, yeah, good for him. Jim Caldwell has a really good record as a head coach, and both times he's lost his job was after being good. Like, when Lovey Smith, again, was 10 and 6, when does a white guy lose a job for winning? And then if a white guy does lose his job, when does he never get a job again? Like, Jim Caldwell has not gotten any sniffs, and the dude was legit. Lovey. Smith. When they
1: hire uh, Eric Mangini again.
2: Yeah, like all these somebody guys. Somebody pops
1: him, uh, you know, out of nowhere uh, into the equation of these jobs that are, are still open. Then you know that there is uh, some kind of bizarre bias uh, against a uh, blanket coaches. Uh, you know, and, and I'm with Ross Tucker. I, I don't know exactly. I don't know that you can really force this issue. Certainly, the Rooney rule was completely ineffective. Hey. I mean, it's like you know, trying to uh, you know uh, describe uh, you know what the effectiveness and impact is of the non-existent now three knockdown rule in boxing, where they always incorporate that into the rules. Like, if there is no three knockdown rule, then why mention it? Exactly. <laughs> it hasn't existed exactly. for years, right? Exactly. No standing eight count. No three knockdown rule. Fighter cannot be saved by the bell. Been the same rules forever. So, uh, you know, the Rooney rule is ineffective as, uh, you know, mentioning any of those things that don't exist in, in the sport anymore. And, uh, so that obviously has not been a solution. A- has it been uh, some kind of catalyst uh, at all? It hasn't produced the results uh, that, that have been desired. That's that for sure. And, you know, the inequities seem to be blatant, uh, and yet, uh, you know, five jobs, uh, so far filled five jobs filled with white guys, uh, here in the national football league. But, uh, no, it, it, it seems, uh, you know, just impossible to conceive that that Brian Flores came in with, with a complete set of fallacies and sat down with a couple of lawyers and said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make headlines here. We're going to sue the National Football League. I mean, do these guys really want to be made fools of themselves if he had no tangible evidence about that offer from Stephen Ross? Why would you include that in a lawsuit when any lawyer could determine that uh, his defense will be that he was joking about that and you uh, misunderstood him? Which is possible. I mean, it's, you know, it's believable, is it not?
2: That happens in life, and you'll go to your people, and then you'll go back, and there will be clarification. For that to happen, and then three years later, you to then make a lawsuit of it, I find that hard to believe. If you're going to go to uh, a If lawsuit, I send to
1: you, hey, Luby, I'll give you $100 bucks today uh, just to uh, ditch the uh, Believe podcast, uh, tell them we had technical difficulties... Uh, you know, I mean, uh, am I joking about that? Probably so, right? We we want to be here on belief. Exactly. This is uh, you know a, a great platform to have. So, uh, you know, it would be very unlikely that uh, you know you would think that that Flores could convince this level of, of attorney. It's not like he, he went into some schlock ambulance no. chaser, or you know, like he had uh, with Don King, where he had his tax attorney defend Mike Tyson in a rape case. <laughs> Uh, You know, these are obviously guys that are qualified in this area, and I can't imagine that they would have been made fools of. They want to be made fools of by, uh, you know, putting forth these assertions in a federal lawsuit that was going to gain tremendous publicity without a shred of, uh, you know, evidence that that they was telling the truth.
2: It just seems, it seems like they're again sort of proving our point. (laughs) It seems like they're again not taking the minority seriously. Again, just sort of saying, throwing the minority to the side. And they'll just be able to put a they'll just be able to sweep under the rug a massive issue, and again, we actually people have talked about. Well, what if he gets a job? He'll go away. Flores, who knows if he's going to be consistent with this? But he said, "I don't. I look. I'm hoping I get the Saints or the Texans job. I want a coach. That's my heart. That's my dream. But I'm not going away. This. I'm not. This case is going nowhere. Even if I get a job, I'm still going to pursue this legal slash civil action because it's time." So who's uh,
1: more of a threat right now to get uh, John Gruden or uh, Brian Flores? Yeah, Flores? I mean, they're going to have to settle that suit with Gruden. I would imagine uh, he's suing them for uh, a variety of things. And, and then uh, you have the issue with the women. And uh, you know what's great Sorry. about uh, Goodell? This is going to be. I wish we were out there on uh, Radio I know. On it's one Row. We're not there. <laughs> I, I would want to attend the Goodell State of the yes. Union speech.
2: We never go. Wouldn't it's you? One, uh, we always blow it off. There's so much swirling that's legitimate stuff that it never's going on. Radio rows are so puff and fluff. Like yeah, this is like the dream Radio Row. <laughs> like.
1: How great is this? Yeah, I mean, uh, cause, cause the women yesterday—that—that—that that, that was no bargain uh, for uh, Roger Goodell either, as they were all saying, "Yeah, well, Goodell doesn't give a flying fuck about any of this." Yeah, they're pretty blatant, and uh, you know, and, and he's going to tell you that they're—they're they're all about this. And what's also interesting is that the way the league figures it can pander to black interests is by putting Snoop Dogg, yes. and a group of rappers that have uh, made their fortune by denouncing. The uh, very people that they represent exactly. <laughs> with, with uh, you know, various songs laced with the uh, N-word and, uh, you know, uh, various, uh, you know, portrayals of women as being uh, cheap, uh, you know, uh, low life slobs and pigs, uh, you know, and and to be demeaned completely. And and Roger's probably going to be saying, hey, well, you know what? You know, here we are. We have a uh, stop racism on the helmets of uh, many of the players and uh, end the hate. And then we're going to have all these people <laughs> that promote racism and hate. <laughs> As our halftime entertainment. For you kids out there, you don't want to miss this one.
2: i not promoting
1: racism. I mean, you talk about lace with hypocrisy. <laughs> it's just amazing. I, you know, and uh, it, it'll be, it'll be, uh, you know, a long week of talk about this. I, I can't imagine that anybody that represents the league wants to discuss any of these issues about Brian Flores, the possible sports bribery uh, incident that took place, or several of them. Uh, Not only with the Miami Dolphins, but possibly in another fashion with the Cleveland Browns, because wow, not a good week uh, for the National Football League uh, leading up to the so-called big game. They're uh, you know just hoping to sell some Doritos and Coca-Cola, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a couple of
2: cars.
1: (laughs) Have nobody have uh, you know their uh, breasts exposed during the national? I mean the uh, halftime show. Hope the anthem goes under two minutes, and uh, you know that that's pretty much what the league is uh, looking forward to. Yep. But uh, I, have you ever been down on the field before a game? No. Uh, you know, NFL, no.
2: Never done NFL. I've done every other sport. I've never done NFL.
1: Used to do the uh, stadium announcing there. Uh, you know, I, I did some intros on the field. And, uh, you know, at halftime especially, the the level of paranoia about even the most basic and simplistic of halftime shows at NFL games, uh, when, when you see the anxiety there is, from the people that are staging this thing. Okay, I said, go now. Go now. Like Norman Schwarzkopf uh, was uh, more calm when he was, uh, you know, in, in, invading the desert there in the Gulf War. Uh, you know, and, and and people are going crazy. They're sure going to, hey, well, where's Hootie the Owl? You know, uh, you know they're, they're going to have some stupid lame contest where you throw a football at this stuffed uh, owl. Crazy. So imagine what it's going to be like uh, with these rappers up there yes. for the uh, Super Bowl halftime gonna show. That, that's going to be fantastic. While Raj says... <laughs> We're all about the black man. <laughs>
2: I don't know. The it's game just fun. What game? It's just fun. The is great. It's yeah. a good time.
1: <laughs> All right. It's the uh, national football. League. Not for long. Hopefully this yeah. uh, whole uh, nonsense doesn't go on uh, for too much longer. All right. Uh, Louie, uh, we'll join you guys again on Believe Podcast Network. Thanks to Ross Tucker for joining us. He, he's always good. And, um, you know, it's uh, the beginning of our Radio Row coverage here on the Believe Podcast Network. I mean, we're not there in L.A., but we're going to give you the best. In fact, that's how we met Bron from yes. Believe Podcast.
2: Yes. It was at Radio Rose. Yes, sir.
1: Yeah, and the great Brandon Lang was circulating with Bron. I think it was like his only client here, yes. I believe. And the next thing you know, it blossomed into this. Yes. And now we're a part of it and happy to be here. Uh, for Mike Luby Lubitz, I'm Jeff DeForest uh, telling you hey, no matter what happened during your conference championship game bets, Super Bowl's coming up, and you got to believe. <laughs>
2: They're amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. Hey folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school.
1: And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do from the doctors to the nurses to the therapists, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion, unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this. If you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled caring people there is truly only one place and that one place is catholic health services
0: thank you for listening to believe
1: you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for
0: b-l-e-a-v on youtube